And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back. Another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here to have another conversation. I'm hoping helps your business grow. Now, look, if you have ever purchased real estate, whether it's flipping a home, buying a building, or doing a lot of different stuff, and you realize that the whole funding process can sometimes be a bit of a pain in the butt. And there's really no other way to describe it. Now, if you, uh, especially when it comes to flipping houses, flipping different properties, and, you know, that's a whole science and something that some people are good at and some people get themselves into trouble with. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Now, much as promised, today we're going to talk about fintech lending startups. With me today, I've got Kirill Bensonoff. Kirill is the CEO and co-founder of New Silver. They're out of Boston. Now, as far as Kirill goes, he's been a successful entrepreneur with multiple exits in the SaaS and IT service spaces. He's been an investor with a focus on fintech and IT. He's an advisor and currently the co-founder of New Silver, a fintech private lender. They do some different stuff, some different software things, and we're going to talk all about that before we do that Kirill, welcome to start a puzzle thanks for having me matt yeah i'm glad to have you on this is uh this is uh, a subject we actually did a different episode on and that episode is quite popular i learned quite a bit about about uh flipping real estate properties i i knew enough to maybe get myself in trouble and enough to want to stay away from it but before we get too far into that why don't you give us a little info about your backstory and what brought you to where you're at with new silver yeah absolutely um yeah so as you mentioned i mean i i've done uh stuff in various uh business segments i started out after college uh founded an it services company i ran for like a decade almost uh, and it was quite successful. We sold it. And then I had a software company that kind of spun out of the services company that was, uh, you know, just a very, very young startup, ended up getting acquired quickly. So I kind of learned different things along the way. I was a computer science major at school, and, but I never really wrote code. Uh, but I was always interested in building product. And so uh, long story short, uh, myself and my partner, Alex, we've known each other for, for a long time. We were both um, LPs, limited partners in a fund that did this fix and flip lending prior to New Silver, and it was always like a side thing, and and it was it was interesting because it was uh, it was generating great returns, and um, I just kind of liked the business model. And so after my last company, and Alex was winding down his, one of his projects as well, we uh, just kind of started talking, and 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 we looked at the technology that's powering the. Uh, you know, the uh, the fix and flip lenders. I mean, and I'll, I can tell you quickly about the space. I mean, it's it's pretty fragmented. There's there's a, a good number of small lenders. There's probably hundreds of smaller, medium-sized lenders around the country. And then there's, there's uh, you know, maybe there's a couple dozen regional and national lenders. 
And we looked at all of those and then we, we tried to understand what kind of technology are they using and is there room for improvement? And what we found was that absolutely, I mean, we, you know, the technology really ranged. I mean, the majority of, of what the tech stack looked like on the uh, website, if you go and, and try to um, apply for a loan, uh, you know, most of the smaller or medium size or, or even larger lenders, you essentially get a contact form. If you click on, you know, get funded or apply for a loan, you get a contact form, you fill out that form, and then the salesperson calls you back, you know, and then takes you through a half an hour conversation. Well, you know, just based on my experience, um, in the consumer space, if you're buying a home or an apartment, you could, and you need a mortgage, you could apply and get approved within like 10 minutes, right? Like nowadays we've got like Rocket Mortgage, we've got Bank of America, a number of other lenders out there that are uh, digital um, and you can go on and, and, and get an approval or, or, or not, but you know very quickly. And we wanted to, our, you know, our vision is and, and was at the time is to build something similar for the fix and flip space. There's certainly intricacies we can, we can talk about, but that's our grand vision is to make that process completely seamless for the borrower and at the same time use data to reduce risk for the lender. So when you say fix and flip, a couple questions here. Well, one, I'd like to talk a little bit about what that actually is, but is the lending space for those transactions a separate segment than just like a regular home lending? It is. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, lending is, uh, I think lending has kind of matured in general, right? Home, anything that's mortgage secured by a real estate, residential real estate, we can leave commercial aside. Uh, residential real estate is matured. I mean, if we think back uh, a couple of you know, decades or even less ago, uh, a lot of the lending was done by by a bank and they held those loans on, on their balance sheet. I think sometime in the 90s, and I'm not the expert on this, but I believe it's sometime in the late 90s or early 2000s when securitization came along. And so uh, the lender could then you know package these loans and sell them off on secondary markets. Uh, and so I think at that time, the industry sort of shifted where even the local bank has now, instead of being a lender that holds these loans on the balance sheet for the duration, they've now become an originator, which is just somebody that's you know, responsible for selling and underwriting the loan. And then they, they sell that off to somebody else. And there's actually government uh, entities uh, like Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac or semi, semi-government entities that buy up these loans whether they're from directly from the lenders or from aggregators. So yeah, I mean, to, to answer your question, the, the lending uh, space is different. I mean, the, the consumer mortgage space, the places where we live, you know, our, our homes are uh, financed by whether they're a bank or a, or a non-bank lender. And then they're sold off typically to uh, somebody like a Fannie Mac or a Fannie or Freddie uh, Mac. So um and, and in the in the hard money or fix and flip space, and hard money is like the kind of the old term for it, but in the fix and flip space, um, the traditional lenders either don't play there at all or they may have very, very few products there. So private lenders like us uh, have really uh, have been the people that have helped uh, real estate investors when they need to obtain a loan for purchasing a fix and flip property. Okay. And, you know, one of the things that, and thanks for that explanation. One of the things that I recently learned, I was just talking to a friend that um, is in a similar space was the amount of expense that goes in 
to just, I mean, really like I had talked to him about all different kinds of stuff, everything from uh, uh, multifamily properties to commercial real estate to home lending. And there, I, I, I was shocked at the amount of cost that the lending institutions get into on their way to getting these loans out. Is that why the traditional banks aren't in that fix and flip space because it's such a short term, like, well, basically because they don't really make a whole lot of interest on it. If it's, if that note's only held for a very short amount of time, or is it, is there a, I mean, what, what, why is, why has that become such a a separate segment? Yeah, no, it's a great question. I think there's many answers there. Um, and I, I may or may not be a right. I've never really worked in traditional banking, but from what I understand, um, you know, smaller community banks, smaller and mid-sized banks, they typically want a depository relationship. That's their ultimate goal, right? They want your money held in their in their account so that they can use it for various activities uh, and earn interest on it. And and with the fix and flip loan, uh, so typically when you obtain a mortgage for your uh, home, they will force you basically to open up an account or, or they'll give you a discount. They'll incentivize you to open up an account with them and a depository account with the hope that you'll, you'll put all your cash in there. Um, with the fix and flip, yeah, because it's so short, um, you know, they may, you know, they, they may or may not be able to get that relationship. And there, there's also, I think for a bank, there's a lot of cost uh, involved in, um, you know, getting the loan, they, they're not great marketers typically. And that's why a lot of fintechs and like neo banks are popping up these days, right? Because they haven't, you know, neo banks are today, they're, they're usually uh, working with a traditional bank, but they're sort of the front end, right? So they build some great technology and they know how to market and they're run by entrepreneurs. And so, um, you know, it's the same thing here. Banks aren't great at marketing. Their underwriting processes are typically not the best. You know, they may be not fully digital. They may be, you know, they take a long time. So that's another reason, right? They, they're having, they, it costs them a lot to bring in these loans. And I think the third one is that they don't really like construction. Uh, this is what I gathered. I talked to a bunch of folks that, that uh, work in banking their whole lives. And, you know, they said they do give construction loans. Of course, it's not like they don't, but you've got to have a relationship with them in order to get that loan for fix and flip. Um, you know, so yeah, I mean, if, like fix and flip, one of the other reasons I really like the business is because it's like a side hustle, right? It's like a side gig for, for really anybody. I mean, if you can, if you've got a little bit of money and, and you think you you see a property that you could repair yourself or with a friend or you hire a contractor, you know, that's, you could make a lot of money that way. I mean, and, and so it's a great, I think, uh, democratizing uh, business activity that almost anyone can do and almost anywhere in, in the country can do. Um, and so I think it, it's kind of counterintuitive for banks who, who like to be more local, who like to have that relationship to kind of service these and, and you know, underwrite service and originate these short-term loans. I just, I don't think it fits great with their business model. 
Yeah, and the way that it had been explained to me was that home lending was had largely become quite automated, but in certain situations, especially for like multifamily homes and commercial properties, not so much the case because they were they all had different nuances about them. And I was just really surprised at learning about the amount of manual time, effort, and energy that the lenders would put into it. I mean, I'm talking in some cases six figure uh investments basically of, of time and energy and you know that's on a local level that can suck up the bandwidth and i would imagine that if they're only going to hold a property for a short amount of time i don't know that's really not my specialty as an entrepreneur now you know when we talk about entrepreneurs and that's one of the things that i i do appreciate about house flipping as much like you said it is often a side hustle for, for people because, you know, they'll have a regular job and they want to do a few things on the side. Maybe they're handy. Maybe they know someone that is. But at the same time, there's some risk to that because, well, I mean, you can buy a, you can buy a property and you think you know you think you're getting a great deal on it. Well, there's a lot of competition out there. So, you know, market rate is usually just that exactly that market rate. And, um, you know, there's not a whole lot of stuff that's floating out there for 25 percent what it, below what it's really worth. You better have you better have some kind of grasp on. Uh, you know, the who, what, where, and when of getting things done. And, you know, like, I think some people, I, I've talked to people, I, I've talked to people that have been on both ends of the house flipping uh, uh, plus and minus, meaning like, you know, hey, I've really done well with this. And then some people that are like, yeah, this is a freaking nightmare. I really underestimated how long it was going to take. And some of that's a speed game, isn't it? Like how how quickly you say, fix and flip. I mean, that doesn't mean holding on to it for six months. So, so how, how do you begin to determine, you know, like you talk about the problem that any business solves, well, you want to have speed and accuracy with your lending, but how do you, how do you give any amount of assessment to whether or not these people are making good decisions themselves, or does that even matter? No, it's a great question. And as to your earlier points, I mean, it is a business with risk, right? And and I think most businesses have risks to them, but this is certainly sure. one that has risk. Um, and it does take some experience. I do think the experience level may not be, you know, may not be as high as let's say, you know, starting a, a, a you know, a, 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 like a, a, an app or like a e-commerce store. You know what I mean? I mean, it's. I think it's. It could be. Because you could essentially find the property that may be uh, a rental or or even a fix and flip where the fix is really small, right? So you may you may get lucky that way. You find something off market or on market um, that is just a great deal. You know what I mean? People do that all the time. Um, so so yes, yeah, so I do think there is risk, but I, but I also think you know how do we assess that risk and 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 whether or not it's, is it a long term? You know, is fix and flip like a long a long game and and no it's it should be a, a sh as short of a game as possible because um because it, it is not you know if you're financing it or even if you're using your own cash i mean there's cost to using your own cash as well uh but if you're financing it i mean you, you know that there's significant cost for interest because the the capital is you know is not bank capital it's private capital and it is it tends to be more expensive so if you're you know, if you're in the fix and flip business, you want to be able to get in, do your repairs and get out as quickly as possible. And um, the average for us, I think, is somewhere between six and eight months whole time. 
Um, and I think the typical loan term is 12 months. Some people do a little bit longer, but 12 months is typical. We've had people get out in, as quickly as in like a month uh, where they just, they had another buyer come in or something like that. But the average across the uh, all the loans that we've done last year was about six to eight months. So, so yeah, and, you know, and the way we look at risk is, you know, it's not, it's not a, uh, it's not a perfect science, but we, first of all, we look at the, uh, at the real estate, we look at the property and we assess whether or not um, it, it's worth what, what, you know, what the borrower thinks it's worth and whether or not there's a risk, there's a chance that may go down in the near term. And if, it, if there is, it doesn't mean we can't give a loan. It just means that we have to be more careful and, and adjust for that risk. And then we look at the borrower um, and obviously, you know, we look at how, how much have they done is, is that's kind of the first thing how much experience do they have and we've done a, a number of loans to people that have no experience and and i from what i know i believe they've all done really really well i think it's just it's just a matter of you know how serious are you about it how much research have you done i mean it's it's interesting i mean we do most of the stuff online but some people send us like deck that they build uh, and that that just speaks volumes. I mean, if somebody sends us even a short deck, two to three slides with just, you know, some information, you know, stuff they've pulled together, research they've done. I mean, that immediately tells us like, hey, this this person's serious about what they're doing and, and they're probably going to get it done. Now, you used the term neobank earlier, which is something I'm familiar with, but I think a lot of people listening might not be. And the the a neobank is basically an online bank. It's an internet only bank. So they don't have a physical branch, but they, they do have to have some kind of partnership with, uh, with a, I'm going to use air quotes here, a real bank, just meaning like placed with locations or, or FDIC, you know, uh, 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 insurance and stuff like that. Now a neobank is still a real bank, but they typically, like you said, they deal with a lot of the marketing side of things, or maybe they have, a slick front end that they use to connect to a regular bank. They're not necessarily providing the capital that they're loaning out. So do you fall more into a neobank where you're, where you're the connection agent to a, a list, a, to a variety of lending partners? Or are you actually lending out your own capital or maybe both? Right. No, we're, we're not a bank or a neobank at all. We don't use any bank capital. We don't have any bank partnerships right now uh, on the lending side. Uh, we are a, um, we're strictly private, you know, private funding. So we are, we use our own capital. We have, uh, funding sources and funding relationships with other funds. Um, so all the funding that comes, I believe, I believe it's, you know, the vast majority of funding, and I'm not saying nobody out there has like a line of credit from a bank. I think people do. There's a few banks that, uh, finance typically a short-term warehouse line for lenders like us. Um, but the vast majority of the longer term capital comes from private funds where they're, you know, there, and there's all kinds of funds. I mean, there's people that raise uh, money overseas somewhere. They bring it into the U.S. There's people that raise money in the U.S. from pension funds, uh, you know, senior lenders, uh, private equity. I mean, everybody's. Uh, everybody has 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 their own uh, twist to it. A lot of people just raise from individual accredited investors, and and they're able to uh, pay out a nice, a very nice, um, you know, yield to those investors. So so yeah, most most of the funding for these short term bridge loans, fix and flip loans, comes from private capital. 
Now, along the way, have you, ha, has there been anyone, whether it be an individual or a person, uh, an entity that has, has mentored or partnered with you that has made this really possible or sped things up for you? Uh, as far as the, on the funding side or? Pardon? Uh, on, the, on the finance side or, or, or any, in, in, in any kind of partner? Well, I don't know, just in general. I mean, you're talking about building software, you're talking about SaaS products, you're talking about lending products and then, you know, understanding the, the, the flip space in general. Yeah. 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 No, no, there's, we, we have some great partners. Um, I think one, there's, there's two that come to mind uh, that are, I think are very valuable to us. One is a company called Clear Capital and they are, uh, they're not strictly in the fix and flips. So along the way, any entrepreneur business, uh, you know, all of us receive mentoring partnerships, sometimes investment along the way. Is there anybody or, or anything that you've modeled your business off of or people that have given you uh, advice, mentorship or investment that has really changed the game for you? Um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, as far as, you know, who, who do we look up to? I mean, there's there's a number of companies that we really um that we really like they're either you know they may or may not be somebody that um we work with directly but you know, one one company that comes to mind i think is, is awesome is uh, clear capital we're actually partnered with them i mean they they've done i think a tremendous job of uh building and bringing real estate data into sort of the modern api era and we use their api quite extensively and it works great they've been a great partner uh another one that i i really like is uh, adam data um, they are, um, you know, they're a data company. They've got excellent API as well. And I think they, they've done, a, a, you know, a lot of interesting stuff in the fix and flip and real estate investing space as far as kind of looking at, you know, looking at the macro level uh, data. Um, you know, then, then obviously there is, I, I look at a ton of different companies because I'm, I'm really big into the user experience of what an online, um, you know, flow or process should look like for, for when you're applying and, and doing everything else for, for a loan. So obviously the, the pioneer there was, uh, was a rocket mortgage. Uh, they, they were, I'm not sure if they were the first, but they're one of the first and best known for digitizing the uh, consumer mortgage process. So I look at them and I look at a number of different um, other uh, different uh uh, people in the companies in the lending space, and I and I sort of model uh, what what we're doing off of off of what I think that they're doing really well at. You know, there's anytime you're going to get a loan, whether it's for your business, your startup, or to buy a home, you got to have your finances straight. And that that seems like a good time to mention the sponsor of today's episode of Startup Hustle, Crown CFO. You know, a lot of businesses businesses at different stages and sizes don't always have the budget for a CFO, and that's where offering a fractional CFO service and using a company like Crown CFO for your business can help. You can get the impact of a CFO for the fraction of a cost. You can go ahead and visit crowncfo.com forward slash hustle. You can click the link in the show notes and learn more about them. If you want to learn more about uh, New Silver and Corel's business, there's also a link in the show notes to tell you more about it. Now, 
you know, we talked about, we've talked about a lot of different stuff, the, the segmentation between the type of lending that you're embracing and all of this. Now, all of this had required planning and you, you mentioned you have a, an affinity for someone who presents that they have a plan. As far as your plan goes, how did you go about creating it for this type of business? Yeah, sure. I mean, we, so we, you know, we started out in 2018. We, uh, when we initially had the idea of building uh, software, we, we actually initially thought about building software uh, and being like a SaaS player in the industry uh, and not being a lender ourselves. But then we actually looked at the lending component and we liked what's been, what was going on in the industry as far as an institution, institutionalization of the lending space in the in this fix and flip uh, marketplace, um, we initially built a uh, an MVP and we went live in 2019 with an MVP, a really simple uh, form based uh, mock up of what our bigger um, process was going to look like, and uh, we did a little bit of marketing and we figured out that it seems to be working and and you know that's that's how we decided to kind of build on to uh you know spend the time and the money and the effort and build the full uh the full enchilada uh as far as the you know the, the rest of the software and the rest of the company so i mean i think the you know for me when i when i plan a new business uh, i like to look at the um at the market and this is a huge market as far as as um you know the the dollar uh of amounts go i mean it's it's hard to put an exact number on it but somewhere between 50 and 100 million uh, i'm sorry billion per year that's just like the fix and flip um you know the fix and flip space so those are people who buy and resell a property within uh 12 months so if you're so i mean it's really hard to to kind of quantify but that's probably the best that's out there not all of those are financed uh and and obviously if you're buying for a rental use case or if you're holding for a little bit longer than 12 months that's not counted in there as well. So the market could like the, the TAM, the total addressable market could be, you know, 200 billion. Um, some estimates put uh, all of the properties sold in the United States between seven and 10% of them are bought up by real estate investors. So imagine, I mean, it's a trillion, you know, multi-trillion dollar market and seven to 10% of that are real estate investors. So I, I, you know, and I, so that was the first thing I looked at and I kind of looked at, you know, who, who can, who can be a borrower, who's in the space. And like I said before, I really like the fact I I'm, I'm all about helping entrepreneurs. I, I love it when people are able to, to do a side hustle and earn a little bit of money or make it their full-time job without having to, you know, go to uh you know, get a, an MBA or something like that. Um, so I, you know, I like that aspect as well, because I, I felt that almost anyone that has a passion for the space and a lot of people love real estate. Right. So, you know, you don't necessarily need to have experience. I mean, if you love and have passion for the space, you could find great deals and partner with somebody uh, if you need to. And they'll help you do the, the fix. Uh, and then you can either build your own team or or learn to do it yourself. So. Uh, that was like the second thing for me. So that was, you know, those were the two things that I looked at. And then the third is, you know, how can we add value with technology? There's always a tech play. I'm, I think in every, in any, in every single business 
uh, aspect, you could always improve uh, through technology. And I felt that, you know, here, you know, the, the obvious thing was like, okay, we can improve the, the lending process, the loan origination process. We can improve the risk profile. Uh, we could use more data to, to lower risk and things like that. But there's so many more things that, are, that we're constantly uncovering. I mean, there's, you know, there's, there's the ability to kind of bring in newer technologies like cryptocurrency and, and uh, crowdfunding components. There is um, you know, the ability to potentially bring in uh, institutional capital partners and build some kind of a marketplace out of this thing. So we're really at the early stages. We're going to be much more than just a loan originator. We're looking to really build a vertically integrated business that uh, can do a lot more than just originate loans. So, you know, much as you mentioned, the total addressable market for what your just your space is, you know, billions and the total real estate market and, and lending and all that trillions, which is, I mean, that's a crowded market space. There's a lot of people that are, are uh, at war for that business in many ways. So what are you, what are you doing to differentiate yourself to stand out or just really something that you're hustling to, to, you know, get that new business in? Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I think, First of all, again, back to sort of the tech aspect of it, you know, we want our borrowers to be able to get to our site and not have to talk to anyone before they're really committed to, to working with us, right? We want them to, to like us, we want them to trust us, and most importantly, we want them to see what it is they can get from us, what kind of a loan, what will they have to pay, what's the whole thing look like? before they spend their time, everyone's time is extremely valuable, ours and theirs. We want them to spend their time talking to us only when they think they have a very good solid, you know, 80% uh, certainty that they'd like to move forward with us. So that's first and foremost, that's what we, we want people to understand is that when they, they want to work, you know, they, they want to see what they can get, what kind of a loan they can qualify for on a certain property. You know, we could give that to them within minutes. Second of all, we want to make uh, real estate entrepreneurs more successful. What what is it that people need in that business to be more successful? Um, you know, first and foremost, they need to find and uncover excellent projects uh, and properties that you know maybe their competitors aren't aren't finding. So we've built a tool called Flip Scout, which enables them to essentially no cost uh, go to our website, register, and then they can. Uh, search for a property in any zip code, any any uh, city or state in, in the United States and find those properties. And we use some intelligence to uncover those opportunities. Right now, it's properties that are on market and, and they're, that are a good fit for a short-term fix and flip. So we look through a number of different uh, different factors, but what we give to the uh, to the user at the end of the day is is, is that property location, pictures, um, and then we show them how much they could actually make. So within within a minute, you could you know look up any zip code and see what properties are out there and what your ROI could be if you were to buy that property, fix and resell that. Uh, in the next couple of weeks, we're also going to have a uh, the same type of a product, but uh, geared to a long-term uh, real estate investor. So if you're interested in in buying and holding and renting out a, a piece of property will help you find that at no cost. I mean, so that's what we really want. You know, and they don't have to use us for a loan. They can finance it themselves, finance it anywhere else. It doesn't really matter. We just want to give these products to the community to enable 
the community to grow, to enable people to do more. And, and hopefully, you know, if they think that uh, a loan product that we have is a good fit for them, they'll turn to us, but they, they certainly don't have to. Yeah. So when it comes to building a business like yours, is this about, is this about finding as many new first time clients or do you see that you've got a significant amount of return business and people like, I mean, is this like you find me and I, and I'm, I'm flipping a house, you know, I, I, I mentioned that we had done, uh, done an episode about this and, um, you know, for the life of me, I can't remember the, the guest name cause it was quite a long time ago, but this guy had created a spreadsheet that helped you. It was kind of like flip scout in some ways, except for it was more about, I'd already found the property and now I want to break these things down and, and, and helping, you know, I, I, we say a lot on startup hustle that the things you don't know are often the most expensive. And, you know, you talk about getting yourself into it and, and doing stuff, but I mean, is for the growth of your business, is it, you know, like I said, this guy's product had, uh, had, uh, it was intended to help you more of a, of a construction planning, uh, you know, and help you learn, Hey, this might be a little more expensive here. And it was maybe geared to help those that hadn't done it before. But in your case, is this about finding that new first time person? Or are you looking for someone that's on the regular, just like consistently buying and flipping houses? I mean, obviously that, that wouldn't hurt, but I didn't know what, which type of customer are you typically seeking? Yeah. I mean, we do have a lot of first timers that, that come to our come in and try to uh, apply for a loan and, and we we love working with first time uh flippers first time investors um you know there's certainly um you know the 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 capital providers ultimately like the institutions that finance uh the the space more or less are obviously more comfortable with people with experience though you know not to say that uh, we we don't exclude people with with zero experience we just have to be I guess more careful on what the the values are and and uh, what the costs are and things like that. So we're happy to help anybody do their first project, get started right off the bat, um, and then build the business around it. Next time, you know, they finance it should be much easier with us or with somebody else. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, so so I think it's the majority are first timers. We do have a lot of repeat business as well. I mean, we as I said before, we finance first timers who have come back and they did a great job come back and, and uh, you know, do another project. We've had multiple that have done multiple projects off of their first time. So one of the things I've read lately is that with COVID and, and the different, and the changes in the, in the existing business climate, it's made it a lot more difficult for banks to determine who is in fact credit worthy and who's not. Have you had to make any changes or adjustments to the current market situation to protect or mitigate risk? We have, yeah, absolutely. We, um, yeah. So when COVID started, we essentially stopped uh, new loan originations for a few months. So we were on virtual pause uh, during the height of COVID. We we went back and started again uh, as we kind of saw the the real estate space, uh, you know, not falling through the through the ground on us. Um, you know, a lot of people believed. I think people still have memories of 2008 and that crisis that lasted a number of years. And we still may see some softening in, in real estate pricing. Uh, it's been it's been very very stable, and, and actually we've seen an increase. 
uh, overall. But we, we, who knows? You know, we may see some softness um, in uh, you know in pricing uh, in, in the next few months. But uh, I, I just don't think. I never thought that we we're going to see a repeat of 2008. I've I've learned enough through experience. I'm old enough now to to know that every crisis is completely different. And to say that uh, you know we have another crisis now and it's going to be just like the last one, well, that's never going to be true. So I mean, I I, I never thought that we're going to have a major real estate crisis. It didn't look like one because the this one came from. I mean, last one was a real estate crisis. I mean, it was perpetuated through uh, inappropriate real estate financing, high valuations, etc. This time it's a health crisis that kind of spilled over into an economic crisis, but it was never a real estate crisis. We're still short in supply. Uh, high in demand. I mean, people still, America is still the best country in the world. People still want to come here to work, study, and, and have a family, and they, they need a place to live. Yeah, and so much about the, the prior financial crisis was caused by, like, as you mentioned, by different, completely different market conditions. Now, you're in the house flipping space, and that's that's different. I mean, overall, when it comes to commercial, the commercial space right now, there's some there's some trouble there, um, you know, obviously, uh, and, you know, and, and I, well, businesses aren't using their office space and, and then some of them have become, you know, have a lot of pressure on them because, you know, if, for example, if you own commercial real estate and you have a strip mall and it's got an anchor tenant, that's a restaurant that is not driving traffic, that is not driving revenue. And there's, anyway, there's, there's 99 problems in a lot of that stuff. Now, you also look at, at certain, uh, you're in Boston, which is not a, an inexpensive place to be. Uh, rent has dropped in San Francisco for the first time in like 30 years. I'm not sure what's going on in Boston, but, you know, but uh, on the flip side, there, there, you know, there are market, there are market corrections and conditions that often in many cases lead more people to buy. They say, oh, well, I can finally afford that because it's not skyrocketing. So it'll be interesting to see what occurs with all of that. Now, we, we end episodes of Start a Puzzle with the Founders Freestyle, and we're about to get into that. Cool. So I mentioned that we end episodes of Start a Puzzle with the Founders Freestyle. Kirill, you've been a successful entrepreneur, and you've done a lot of different stuff. Outside of just house flipping in general, what's, what's, a, what's a little bit of advice that you could give to the, to the founders or hopeful founders that, might be, that are still listening? Am I doing this to like a, a rap beat or something like that? If you want, I mean, it's your freestyle. You can do whatever you want. We've come close. I mean, we we, uh, we, we yeah. found that we found that the conversational nature of the show often leads to unresolved items, and sometimes uh, just we like. I, I mean, why not end with a little bit of advice? Now, if you want to put it, to, if you want. To, you know, you're in Boston. You mentioned before we recorded that's the cradle of democracies. I mean, if you want to, you know, do it to like a Hamilton type thing. I mean, I'm going to leave that up to you, man. <laughs> Thank you. Man. Uh, yeah, no, I wish I was ready for that, but, uh, but I'm not. My rap skills uh, leave a lot to be desired. Enough. Otherwise, otherwise, I'd probably be in the, in the entertainment business. <laughs> yeah. But uh, as far as advice, I mean, I, you know, I think just learn. I mean, I, you know, I, I, everybody gives a lot of different advice and there's a ton of stuff that you could do. I mean, A, I think, I think everybody, you're listening to this podcast. That's already great. That means you're listening to the podcast. You're learning. I've learned so much from podcasts. It's unbelievable. I, and, I, and I've been listening to podcasts for a few years now. Uh, and I could never understand why has, why haven't podcasts become like the new, you know, news, the new radio. Well, now finally they're becoming that. 
I think like in the last year or two or whatever, it's, it's, it's really, it's really changing. So I just say, you know, figure out who you think, you know, what company, what person, what entrepreneur inspires you. And I think inspiration is, is super important because, you know, you could learn stuff, but if you're not inspired, if you don't have the passion, um, you know, it'll be harder. So find out what, what your passion is, who inspires that passion and, and learn and listen all about them as much as you can. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. You know, we're in this golden age of, of free. I mean, there's, you know, whether it's this show or something else, you know, you got a lot of people out there putting a lot of content out that has the intention of helping you. I mean, much like we, I mentioned at the beginning of the show, just sitting here hoping to help, hoping to have a conversation that helps your business grow. And, you know, that kind of, that kind of input leads to output. So, I mean, overall, I'm not going to get too verbose with that. I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And, and, you know, like I said, everyone I know that, that has and continues to do well continues to uh, be much like Pac-Man and just chomp, chomp, chomp when it comes to finding new knowledge. Hey, Kirill, thanks for spending some time with me. I like what you're doing. For those of you listening, go check it out. Click the link in the show notes. I'll see you next time, bud. Thanks, brother. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.